This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I am excellent. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm I'm happy that the snow is on a steady recede and that it is spring as of well as of what Tuesday was if no when Monday morning Monday afternoon. Yeah, so yeah. but it is spring now. Yeah. It is spring and so this is our first spring show for 2023. Woo-hoo. And yeah, woohoo is right and you're right. Snow is receding. I've still got a bit but not much and there is rain in the forecast. So that's good. The worms are starting to emerge. The robins are much happier. And, uh, you know, things are coming along just beautifully where I am. I'm quite excited. The bulbs are certainly starting to emerge as well. Yes, it is very, very exciting. I all I love this time of year when things start to pop up everywhere. They're just all anxious to poke their little heads out of that soil and come on up. Yes, but let's be honest. You also love this time of year because it's your birthday in two days. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> yours is coming up as well, though, right? Because you and I are both, you're in early April. We're both, we're both Aries. Both obnoxious Aries. How fun is that? <laughs> the Rams. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's more, I don't know if I, maybe I've told you this before, but yes, of course, the Aries sign is the Ram. Mm. And what's more, I was born in the year of the goat. <laughs> so, so I am, yes, very ramish, very goatish. Yeah, very, very pushy kind of guy. You got it in so much. I'm going to push the phone numbers right now. How's that? I'm going to push. I'm going to push you to call. <laughs> Not you, but I'm going to push everyone out there to call. Uh, the number for if you live in Toronto is four one six three six zero zero seven forty, or toll free anywhere else in the province of Ontario. Yeah, it won't cost you anything except a little bit of your time, and we'll do our best, or Charlie will, to answer your question. One eight six six. 740-4740. And, of course, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, because then I get to give the garden wings, and uh, we want you to call often. We want you to call early. And one question per call, please. So what's going on? I mean, other than the things popping up, what's kind of going on in your garden world? Well, you know what? It's This is the time of year when all the birds that have migrated south start coming back. So I'm on bird alert, frankly, and sometimes I'm I'm outside and I hear a bird and I don't recognize what it is. And I use this app on my phone. It's completely free. Anybody can, excuse me, download it onto whatever your uh, mobile device is. And it's just called Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N. It's put together by the Cornell Lab. It's free. It's brilliant. Once you bring the app in, you'll need to bring in the data of all the birds that are in eastern North America. And then whenever you hear a bird, you press a little button that says record that sound. Oh. And it just starts mm-hmm. recording. And, you know, you can let it record for an hour if you want, but it'll drain your battery. But it starts popping up with what it's hearing. So chickadees and, you know, 
crows, blue jays, and now we've got our bluebirds are back. So, oh yeah, the, the, there's a lot of action here with the cardinals are obviously nesting. Well, mo- many of them are nesting. And um, yeah, woodpeckers. So all kinds of cool birds showing up back in the county. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, I find gardeners do tend to be nature lovers in general. So, yes. being, you know, having cats, dogs, pets, birds, all of that in your gardening world is very common. And so I just want to remind people, don't hesitate to go to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. I just downloaded a cool poster I, and I printed it. It's called Support Birds with Bird-Friendly Garden Plants. Oh, wow. Okay. See, yeah. And we, you know, we think of, um, we all talk about bee friendly plants and butterfly fly friendly plants, but we don't often talk about bird friendly plants. It's all connected. You know, we got, like, we got, yeah, you're right. Bees are big on the list, particularly the honeybees. Everybody's kind of thinking about them, which is great. Just like the monarch butterfly, everybody's thinking about them. But there's lots and lots of species out there, all of which need our support. So I just forwarded you this poster. You're going to want to download this. It's just great. It's simple stuff. Like common service berry is a great supporter of cedar waxwings. We know that. But also Baltimore Orioles, which I get here in the county as well. So, yeah, I mean, if you're wondering what to plant this spring, here's some good information and good ideas. Fabulous. Okay, we uh, we have to take our first pause. We uh, but we will be right back with much more on the garden show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on the garden show, and Charlie, the the lines started to light up very early today, so I'm I'm very very happy. Because sometimes that waits until the end of the show, and then we have trouble <laughs> squeezing everybody in. But hey, we got the lines full. We're going to go to Markham. First uh, First off, we have John on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Uh, I love growing the dahlias. It's my favorite flower. I called about last year. This last year, I had uh, fertilized it, and watered it, and I've... Uh, the result was not too good because they grow to a certain height and then they get a knob a little bit and then they, they never flower, just dry up as a very small bud. So I've been told, can I tell you, maybe uh, do not have dailies on the same location the second year. You, The climate is getting drier. It's going to get worse and growing flowers and all these things. Or shall I put new topsoil on the existing top so i would like you to give your opinion i do appreciate that i i think you're absolutely right um john it's never a good idea to replant the same species or even the same family of plants in the same spot every year so if you can move and and dahlias if they're not the super tall ones they can be planted in containers and that way you can easily rotate the uh, dahlias from different containers and different soil. You know, it's such a controlled environment in a pot. Um, and it's interesting. I haven't grown dahlias for years, but this year I did just purchase a few and I've just planted them up. They weren't showing any growth, but the other tubers I purchased were. So I've potted them up and we'll see what happens. I know that once they start to grow, it'll be one of those situations where you don't want to let every stem grow. 
um, you know, it's, if and if you're going out into the garden with them, you never want to go out when the garden is still cold, the soil. So you have to wait until your soil temperature is at least 67 degrees Fahrenheit. So what's that in Celsius? Maybe what is that about 18 or something like that? <clears throat> you if if the soil is cold, the dahlias will not grow. They will just okay. hunker down and and you know close their eyes and go back to sleep basically. So you do have to wait. Uh, and that's why I planted mine indoors because we are about maybe six weeks away from our last frost. And so I have potted them up in pots and uh, I've got them there. I'll wait and see what happens uh, when they start growing. <clears throat> Fertilizing <clears throat> is not something you have to do right away, but they do see that when the plants are ha uh, about a foot tall, 12 inches tall, pinch off the top of the main stem and that way that will stimulate side branching and that right. way you'll get more stems and more flowers etc so a couple of things just to get the best possible right. plants right uh, Charlie for example I don't want to ask two questions but my alternative I thought about I would take the top say a foot of my existing bed and reload it with a triple new triple mix but I think there still could be a bug in that soil right Oh, well, you actually want bugs in your soil. No, no, <laughs> bugs that, are good. That if you put them in the same place, the bug may still be there from last year. That's what I was told. Sure, but um, are you convinced that there was something that uh, chewed into your tubers? Is that well, why you're convinced that you, there's a bug in there? Yeah, at least what attacked it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of insects underground that bore into vegetation. And then, of course, voles are always yeah. a lovely um, pest as well, though they're not an insect. Yeah. So um, I it's pretty hard. I would, For all the work it would be to take off a foot of soil and replace it, I yeah. probably wouldn't bother. What I would do is I, was I would top dress with okay. some good composted manure and I would try and plant somewhere else. Put some manure all the way in there, or I'll plant somewhere yep. else. Buy another, buy another house. <laughs> <laughs> plant, plant your tubers at your neighbors for this year, and yeah, then bring them back for next neighbor. year. I really appreciate your comment. <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, I. I we plant the same things so often in the same spot because quite often I guess we feel that we find that perfect spot either for the way it looks or for the sun patterns. I think that's tricky to find different spots to move your plants around in. It is, particularly on a limited, you know, suburban kind of a lot. That mm -hmm. I know that was a challenge. You know, and particularly tomatoes, uh, we just it's not good to keep planting them in the same spot. Of course, tomatoes peppers and eggplant are all the same family so oh. it's not like you can even rotate your peppers where your tomatoes were because that's not going to work either you gotcha. gotta change it right up you know you gotta put your beans where your tomatoes were and move your tomatoes where your cauliflower was it's quite it can be challenging okay for sure okay uh we have to take our next break uh but we will be right back we have callers on the line we'll be right back with much more on the garden show daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and uh, all of those things that we heard in that little theme music, they're all coming. They're all coming up. 
I heard foxgloves and forsythia and all sorts of stuff. So it's very exciting. Exciting. <laughs> okay. You know what else is exciting is to look and see all the callers on the line. We're going to go to Toronto now. We have Mary on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Thank you, and good morning to you both this chilly, rainy morning. Um, yes. What I'm wondering about is a couple of years ago at, I don't know, Canadian Tire, it doesn't matter, I bought a yellow climbing rose. I also bought uh, another one that's called New Dawn. It's pink, and the New Dawn, it's been climbing everywhere, but I lost the yellow one. It was even in a better location. However, I don't know why. But the new dawn, I've heard from different people, if it's a climbing rose, you let it climb everywhere. Well, it is everywhere. Can I prune it? Because it would be even difficult to tie it along the fence. So I don't know what to do. And it's only three years old. Uh, New Dawn is a great climbing rose and quite vigorous, as you're experiencing. Yes. Uh, do not hesitate to prune it back. Really? It has a tendency, if you've got it on a fence or a wall and it's it got is, like uh, a trellis it, or something it, behind it that, like you said, you can weave the canes in and out mm -hmm. or with, with um, like a stretchable fabric, you know, cut up pantyhose, something like that, tie the canes against the, the flat surface that works to a point, but you're still going to have some cane sprout straight out into your walkway or into your face. So start this spring, you know, not when it's raining, when we get a nice sunny, dry day, sharp pruners, leather gauntlets, go out there and do not hesitate to prune to shape that plant to grow in the direction you want it to grow. Um, any dead wood it? should be removed at that time, any black canes. But yeah, um, spring is the best time. You can do a lot of a severe pruning on roses in the spring that you would not do any other time of year. Even with this climber, like the trellis, of course, is short, and so, and luckily it's in front of the fence. Well, I really can't weave it through because some of the uh, canes, I guess, they've got to be six, maybe eight feet long, and they're trailing along the top of the fence, but it's difficult. So how far <laughs> down can I prune it? Uh, you well, your how your fence is probably what five feet high. You figure uh, six feet. Six feet. Okay, and so to, believe it or not, to maximize flowering, what you do with a climbing rose is those big tall canes, like an eight foot tall cane, at least should not be allowed to go straight up eight feet because if it does, you'll get roses up at the tips eight feet high, and it'll also be dangerous because it'll wave around in the wind. So the best way to train climbing roses is you actually bend those very extensive, could be eight, 10 foot long canes down. You bend them horizontally to run along your fence. That's what and I've done. It's, it's, with, called, it's almost know. like an espalier where we take a plant and we, we train it to be flat and the horizontal branches, or in this case, canes, get attached to the fence and you will get thousands of flowers. Well, that's what I've done the last two years. I've kept bending them so they're running along the fence. But the type of fence I have, I had to replace it. There's no slats in between, so I can't really tie it to the fence. Right. Uh, you can put in some little tiny nails and, you know, little um, I was thinking like of tacks. Putting in some loops. And, sorry? I was thinking of, uh, you know, like a hook and eye idea to try to thread sure. something through it. 
That's right. Exactly. Just something that you can use to then tie the, the canes. But don't feel like you have to keep that rose intact. Remember, you can you can take that rose down by 50% if you want this spring on a nice, sunny, dry day. Uh, it probably won't be until you know, another couple of weeks before you'll be able to do that. But yeah, you can take, like, bring the whole thing in smaller, tighter, open it up a bit so it's not a big mess of canes in the middle. Really choose the canes you want. Uh, if they're eight feet long, even take a foot off the eight footers just to, uh, again, force some side growth. Oh, that's, so what would be the earliest, do you think, that I could go out and do this? Weather dependent. Yeah, no, I mean, I know that, like, um, 60 degrees or whatever, because my oh. garden faces south. Right. So we've had 60 oh, okay. and 70 degrees. My therm- thermometer has clocked with okay. the sunshine. Okay, no worries. It's, it's, um, it's not a question of temperature, though temperature will speed up the plant growing. If you have to walk on your lawn mm-hmm. to do this kind of pruning, yes. you may want to wait until your lawn is a little drier. We want to stay off our lawns when they're um, very moist. So uh, okay. it's more of that than anything. Once your lawn is is not spongy and wet, you can get out and do whatever pruning you want. You just solved another question for me. Okay, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate that. No okay. Worries. Yeah. Thank you so much for the question, there, Mary. Okay. Wow. So there, there, I, something I didn't consider about uh, when a sign when to go and prune stuff is about the lawn. Stay off the lawns. Okay. So we want to stay off them when they're spongy. Yes. Yeah. You know why? You compact the soil, and once it's compacted, you'll never uncompact it. Okay. 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 Uh, let's go to uh, Newmarket now. We have a uh, Jean on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Charlie, oh, Jean. my oh, Jean. plants appreciate you. I was watering <laughs> them on a special day. Okay, it's water day, and then they got worse every time I watered them. Now I'm watering them when you told me that they're dry and they're flourishing. So they have a big thank you to you. <laughs> my, <Good. laughs> my question. My question is. Please, can you resurrect a 10-year-old clematis that has been um, neglected? It's still alive. What do I do? You can. Um, So, first off, let's just talk about what, do you have any idea what kind of clematis this is, what the name is? No, it's little white flower, a few, that's all. Little and the little white flowers are they like um, a bell, like a little nodding bell, or are they flat? Flat. Okay, but you say little. Um, all right, let's assume that this is a clematis, which is the vast majority that are out there are what we call summer flowering clematis. There are spring and there are fall as well, and we prune them differently. But the majority out there are summer blooming. So assuming that's what you've got going on there, what you'll do again, this will come down to when you can get out into the garden when everything is not too soggy and you um what what's planted at the base of that clematis is there anything around where it is growing no no so you'll have your nice sharp pruners in hand you'll go take a look it probably has a certain amount of scraggly brown um stems that were from last year and you'll wait like keep an eye and at some point some little buds are going to start to form they're just going to look like little mouse ears they're gray they're fuzzy they come in pairs uh, on the stems 
So you're going to watch for when you can see those little buds. As soon as you see those buds with your sharp pruners, you're going to cut the plant right back. Every single piece of plant is going to get cut right back to a maximum of six inches tall. Whoa. Yep. And then if you're while you're in there, you're going to say you're going to see a bit of dead stuff in there, too. So you're going to prune out the dead. You're going to prune down the live. You're going to compost everything that comes out of there. You're going to top dress with some good quality organic matter. Again, homemade compost, composted manure, something that's going to give some good um, slow release fertility to that soil, which will take away that neglect part of the, the clematis. And be aware that happy clematis is one who has its roots in the shade and its head in the sun. So it needs to have the base of the plant shaded from hot, hot sun, which we usually do that by just planting something in front of it, you know, a foot or two in front of it uh, or three feet in front of it, even like a small shrub, a, a perennial, something like that, just to keep that that root area moist and cooler and let the clematis grow up into the sun onto a trellis. Would a hostess work? I've got tons. <laughs> it, well, I'm assuming what direction is is this facing in your in your yard? West. Right. So <clears throat> that's a hot, very hot direction, which is why it's even more important that you plant something in front of oh. that plant. Um, uh, if you have some sun tolerant hostas, sure, go for it. Some hostas do not like full sun, and they'll just get all bleached out and not look very pretty. So just be aware that you, you know, put if it's a hosta going in there, make sure it's it's heat and sun tolerant. Oh, they are because they have to survive. I mean, I'm going to be really good someday, but not yet. They survive on their own, my hostas. Thank you very much, Charlie. Take care. Welcome. Great. Thanks, Jean. Um, I I reached out to you a little earlier this week, um, Charlie, and uh, shared with you uh, a set of stamps that I had purchased. Mm-hmm. Uh, ranunculus. And so we started talking about ranunculus. And uh, you told me that you haven't had a whole lot of luck over the years growing them. Oh, and, they're so uh, pretty. They are. I love them. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure others have seen the ranunculus set of, of spring flowers out there, but they're just beautiful. Right. And this is, it's like now and in the next month or so, when we're in the grocery store, we're going to fall in love with some pansies and bring them home. You're also going to see ranunculus blooming now in the stores and you're going to fall in love with those because they're like little, people always think they're roses when they first look at the flowers. Mm-hmm. They're so fluffy and round and so perky. And, um, uh, and I, did that same fall in love thing a number of times, though not in a long time. The last time I tried to grow ranunculus, I bet you it was at least 25 or 30 years ago, and I was not successful. Uh, just looking quickly now on the web. Okay, so I I did a – you have to pre-soak them. The corms are just these dry little little turds. Like it's really hard to imagine <laughs> it ever growing. Yes. So you, ha- you have to soak them. But when I soaked them, I probably just – soaked them in a a bowl for a couple hours and didn't think about it. But now I'm looking on the web and it's very specific four hours maximum of soaking and you have to change the water every hour. Oh my. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So right away. And after that four hours, when you pull those little corms out of that water, they should look different. They should be plumper than when they went into the water. Uh, They'll be a little bit shiny, a little bit 
like they've woken up a bit in that four hour period, but you have to change the water or run um, a, a pump, a bubbler in the water uh, okay. as part of this process. And then once you've, you've done that, then it's another very specific process of planting them in just barely moist soil, but in a dark, cool location and, okay. uh, and let them be like, seriously, you just leave them alone. And you know, it's one of those things that, so, you know, you, it's the old the dark basement sort of thing. And uh, you, it's cool. It's got to be dark. It's got to be dry. Yeah, the unheated basement. And, um, yeah, you just wait. Um, you never wet that soil. Uh, you will mist it to keep it slightly moist because you don't want it bone dry, but no watering cans. And, um, yeah, rot, it's very easy for them to rot. And it, that's true with any of these tubers and rhizomes and corms. In the spring, when we're waking them up and trying to get them growing, dahlias, another example, we, we want to wake them up, we want them to grow, but there's a fine line between too much moisture, too much warmth, and rot. Gotcha. Okay, the beautiful ranunculus, which I think I read somewhere is a was, is it a type of a, it's been called a Persian buttercup or something like that as well. Or a, it reminds me, as you say, of very tight roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean. Yeah, someday maybe I'll become a ranunculus grower in my next life. There you go. Well, and maybe we'll hear before the show's out from somebody who, who has had success uh, growing ranunculus. The numbers to call are 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. Now, right now, we are going to go to Fort Erie. We have Linda on the line. And Linda is a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Linda. Thank you very much. Thank you for your show. I'm going to give you going to give you garden wings before we forget. There you go. Those oh, beautiful spring-sounding garden wings. <laughs> I shall fly off with those spring birds. They sound so beautiful. Um, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering about my um, daffodils. Why they don't flower? I have what? a huge clump, and I thought, well, maybe I better separate you. So did that and planted some in different spots. And uh, they don't want to flower. And how did you... Um, okay, so did you plant these daffodils? Uh, uh, some yes, some no. Some have been here when we moved into this house. And uh, other ones I did plant, yes. And uh, the ones that were here uh, were really prolific. It's over five years now. And they're slowing down. I can see there's a few blooms on them right now. Uh, coming up. The other ones I planted about four years ago, and uh, they just have leaves. So the ones you planted four years ago, they bloomed the first year, I assume? Um, some of them, not all. Oh. Uh, hmm. Okay, so when a, when a daffodil doesn't bloom, we call it a blind daffodil. And you're right. One of the reasons could be that they, they're just too tightly packed in there and they're, um, as a result, unable to flower because there's just too much green growth. Um, a couple of important things. Again, it's always going to come back to the soil. Make sure that you've before you plant or if you're lifting, dividing and replanting, soil, soil, soil. Make sure it's well-drained. It's fertile, so it's got. And we don't want a compacted soil. Bulbs hate compaction. Well, all plants hate compaction, but bulbs particularly hate compacted soil because of the poor drainage. Um, 
Of course, when you buy bulbs, you do get what you pay for. So get good quality bulbs. Um, you know, at the end of the season, when everything's half price, it's often not the best time to pick up things like like bulbs. Now, of course, daffodils are ones we plant in the fall for spring beauty. Um, plant them deep enough. If you don't plant things like daffodils or any of the, the fall uh, or spring blooming bulbs, if you don't plant them deep enough, uh, they can get heaved up out of the ground in the wintertime. Uh, also, squirrels can move them around for you. Uh, you get all kinds of redesign happening. So deeper is better. Uh, and when we get warm Februarys, they won't grow up as quickly if you've planted them deep enough. So at least three, you, you, the depth is three times the height of the bulb, oh, preferably. okay. Height, three um, times the height <clears throat> of the bulb, okay. Yeah, um... So, and after the flowers are done, of course, they, they get all kind of crispy. We pinch or, or just prune off the, the flowers, but let the green leaves keep growing all spring until they're finished and the plants go dormant for the summer. Um, yeah, don't take the leaves off early. Um, yeah, don't do tying them into a knot. <laughs> Sometimes I do that. I get frustrated. I start tying my daffodil leaves into knots, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Charlie, are you saying you should not tie them like in a knot, like fold them over and tie them? Is that not good? That is not good. Oh, no, you don't you want know. to do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then, of course, after the, the, the bloom time, so if yours aren't blooming and they're just green and you've done everything right, consider fertilizing. Now, not, not a high nitrogen fertilizer, of course. It's when you're. Um, when we are fertilizing bulbs, we look for a high potassium um, or high phosphorus kind of fertilizer. And you'll see even in the stores, bulb fertilizer. That's what you're going to use at, you know, at the end of the, the flowering season, even if you haven't had flowers. And you do this in preparation for next year. Avoid that overcrowding, like I said, too. Because, oh, nothing will, will limit the growth faster than overcrowded bulbs. Okay, I think that's a key here, overcrowding and um, soil. Uh, ours oh. is very compacted here. So oh, there you go. Yeah, I need to L- have- lift, sorry to interrupt, when you lift them, um, make sure that there's no uh, evidence of rot or borers going, like only replant strong, healthy bulbs after you've done the lifting, and of course, replant into a nice, loose, fertile, well-drained soil. Thank you very much. And the the um, it should be high potassium or phosphor and or phosphorus. phosphorus. Exactly. So the three numbers. The first number is nitrogen, and you don't want to feed a lot of nitrogen to daffodils or any bulbs. The second yeah, number is phosphorus. The third number is potassium on your package. So just don't be going out there with a you know twenty one seven seven or something that's got a lot of nitrogen because that will just give you lots of leaves. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Oh, thanks thank you call. very much, Linda, and good luck. And Don't Charlie, I, I danger. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I have to take another break. Uh, we have callers on the line. We will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And, and Charlie, I'm just going to take a stab at something based on that last caller. I'm going to uh, guess that by tying up the leaves, which I also haven't done for many years, but used to do many years ago, I'm allowing that it does not allow for proper photosynthesis. Right. Exactly. It shortens the, the um, time frame in which the bulb can fatten itself up for next year. 
A lot of energy goes into flower production. And if we limit that energy being produced, we won't get flowers the following year. The other thing is if you leave the, the flowers on the daffodils after they're finished blooming, you will get seeds produced. And again, a lot of energy goes into seed production and you don't want daffodil seeds. So do be very um, consistent and go out as your daffodils are finished blooming. Just cut off the top, leave the green stem, but cut off the past flowers. Okay, gotcha. And let it do its photosynthesis job. <laughs> let those leaves put all that goodness back into the bulb, right? Correct mundo. Cool. I always love it when you know that I've been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and organic matter all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's go to Orangeville now. We have Carol on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Carol. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling about a problem my daughter's having in Vancouver. Her garden is starting to come to life. And there's bamboo that the neighbors have that has crept under the driveway and is coming up in the vegetable garden already. And she said it's almost impossible to get rid of. Any hints, tips? She's absolutely right. It's virtually impossible to get rid of. It's too bad, eh? That's a highly invasive. There are some bamboos that are highly invasive. That's yeah, it's why they grow, like they naturally grow the way they grow. Like they just, they move underground with roots that spring up all along the way uh, with with stems. And they, you, before you know it, you have a, you're like you're in Vietnam, right? It's just, you can't, it's a very hard plant to control. She, uh, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think, it's, I guess sort of depending on the situation, but ba- Bamboo is like any invasive plant that we could have here. Like we could have, um, you know, gout weed, also known as agapodium growing in from our neighbors. Or lily of the valley can be another one where it just, it goes and it goes and it's so hard to eliminate. We've, we try vertical, um, uh, like, like wedges into the soil down. The problem is, of course, you've got to go down quite a ways, a good foot down to sever roots and set up a like a wall underground so the roots can't come across from the neighbor uh, to kill what's already there, chop it down as, as low as she can and suffocate with um, you know plastic tarps, dark colored tarps sealed all around the edges will cause the the plants under the tarp to die um, and that but again it takes a while. That's not like a fast, that's a good, probably all summer, spring and summer, she'll have to leave it tarped to kill the the, um, the bamboo that's coming in, like you said, from under the driveway even. And before you know it, the driveway will need to be repaved because the roots will start buckling the driveway. So it's a problem. She needs to really probably talk to her neighbor <laughs> and together maybe come up with a solution that will work because anything she does is going to be undone by more bamboo growing through. Okay. That's too bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there are herbicides. Vinegar is one, uh, yeah, like a horticultural vinegar is one that is a non-selective, uh, will kill anything herbicide. Uh, even and Roundup, of course, is another example. But those will not work on bamboo as we get later into the season. The only time those could be effective is early in the season when it's young. Um, very young sprouts of green and you spray the green that's what that's what it'll do it'll kill anything green so you should have to spray carefully on a non-windy day when there's no rain in the forecast okay that's hard okay. in vancouver but i will let her know 
Yeah, okay. that's too Thanks bad. for the call there, Carol. Thank you. Uh, Charlie, I guess uh, one of the other options would be to get yourself a panda bear. <laughs> Sit him there in the vegetable garden and just let him, him or her eat away. But that's there's they only eat specific kind of bamboo. Ah. And, and they eat tons. You're right. Like you it becomes a problem. You would run out of bamboo if you were trying to feed a bamboo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I forget. It's like massive quantities. Yeah. And, and when the pandas were here in Canada from China, mm-hmm. and I know they're at the Toronto Zoo for a period of time. I think they went out to Calgary and they traveled around a bit for a couple of years. There was uh, in advance a big call out to the horticultural community. You know, who can grow bamboo? Like, who can provide? We got to be prepared for when these pandas arrive because we're going to need massive quantities of uh, food for them. Well, apparently they need to talk to Carol's daughter out in Vancouver. (laughs) She's got a bunch of it. Assuming it's the right right kind of bamboo. Yikes. Okay, we have to uh, take a pause for some important and appreciated messaging, but we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back here in The Garden Show and callers are on the line. Yes, indeed. Uh, Charlie, let's go right to Lewis in Toronto. Welcome to The Garden Show, Lewis. Hi there. Good show. Hi. I appreciate the show yeah. every week. Uh, I haven't called in often, but do it sometimes. Um, I have a question today. It's about um, chayotes, I think it's called, or something like that. Um, it's like a potato, um, but it's supposed to be a lot healthier than a potato. Um, did I say it right, Charlie? I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, like a potato. Yeah, like in the grocery store. They sell them individually wrapped. It's like a potato, but it's supposed to be a lot healthier for you. Not as much um, sugar in it or whatever. Can you spell that for me? Yikes. (laughs) I'm blind, actually. It's difficult for me. (laughs) I'm just going by what I... uh, It's C-H... Hold on. Lyric Mixcrev. C-H-A... Y T E. Oh. Okay, this, I guess it's something new for you. I have never heard of. I'm, oh, I see. Okay, okay. Here it is. C H A Y O T E. It's a squash. Okay. It's all right. Yeah, so oh, it's known. There's other common names. Um, oh boy, Choco. It's an edible plant. It's a member of the gourd family, uh, first cultivated in southern Mexico. Um, how do you prepare it? Uh, yeah, I've never, I, it's green, kind of wrinkly. It's kind of nice looking, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's I'm some YouTube like videos. Uh, raw in a salad, refreshingly crunchy. Do you mm-hmm. peel it before you eat it? Um, if the skin is tender, you can eat the skin, but test it before you cook it. Uh, a mature chayote can be covered with small hair-like spines and should be peeled before eating or cooking. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know much about them, but they sound like they're very good for you. They wouldn't be a real potato substitute, I wouldn't think, but I guess in a, I'm not sure how heavy into the carbohydrates they are. Um, uh, or even how tasty they are, but um, yeah, it's a pretty. It looks pretty interesting. There are yeah, benefits, like to, you know, health benefits for sure. I'd like to plant it uh, and see if it, I can grow it uh, here in Ontario, well, Toronto. 
Well, aren't you just taking on something that I have no idea how to help you? <laughs> Let me, okay, leave that with me. I'm going to see if I can quickly sort that out before the show ends in the next four minutes. If I can't, okay. I will come back and uh, we'll start the show next week with an update on what is Chiyote and why, like how to grow it if it's possible to grow. It's going to be a tropical. So yeah, we should be able to grow it here just like we grow, you know, so many other plants as an annual plant. But I'll, I'll uh, like I said, do my best for this week, if not top of the show next week. No problem. Thank you very much. Have a great Thanks. show. Yeah, yeah. Thank Thanks you. for the call, Lewis. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Let's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's always that's a new one to me as well. I I kind of quickly looked it up as well, and I think I've seen them in the grocery stores, but I, I, I haven't ever purchased one. Well, there so, you go. So I'm going to tell you everything you you've never wanted to know <laughs> next week, plus stuff you probably do want to know. So why you got? I'm well. I'm looking forward to it already. Uh, <laughs> how about if we go to Bill on the line, who's uh, calling from Pickering? Welcome to the Garden Show, Bill. Um, yeah, I know there you are. running down on time, so I'll go quite quickly. I'm growing on starting coleus lupins and nasturtiums in the under lights in my basement. And um, I tried uh, heat mats this mm-hmm. year. So I put some on the heat mats and some just on the, on the light trays. Man, do they quick. The lupins mm-hmm. grow like in five, four or five days. The coleus Which? as well, nasturtiums in three days. Yeah, and that's with the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my question is, now that they're up, should I take the ones off the uh, mats and then put the other other ones on? I've got about six small trays and two big ones, so I'd like to rotate them. Can I do that after they're up a bit? Oh, for sure. Once they've germinated, you don't need the heat at all. But what you do need is light. So have you got some kind of a light set up? Oh, yeah. I got a uh, light stand I got from uh, White Rose like 20 years ago, but it's got uh, <laughs> you're gonna say three, that. Rows, okay. four, three Good. rows of four grow lights. Nice. And you're, they still make those, eh? those uh, four-foot uh, grow light lamps. Yeah. Fluorescent tubes. Okay, yes. so all, it's all good. As soon as, yes, definitely. Once they're germinated, off the heat, ungerminated onto the heat, once germinated under lights, before germination, no lights required at all. Uh, the, I'd be a little hesitant. Those nasturtiums are going to be growing you out of house and home in the next six weeks <laughs> because lots, they do tend to so can, grow quite quickly. Can I cut them back after they, they're past their first set of leaves? Uh, yeah, you could, you could, yeah, and make them a little more dense and bushy. And depending on whether they're, if they're vining nasturtiums versus um, bush nasturtiums, you may have to start some little trellises for them, because you're we're a ways away from those going outside. And uh, they, any of these plants will go outside, but if they're going into the ground, you have to wait until the soil has warmed up sufficiently so that they don't just are shocked from your nice warm basement and your nice warm lights to the cold outside. So I know it's it's always fun. We want to get growing as early as possible, but you you will be potting these up into bigger pots and yes. and keeping them healthy and happy before you can plant them outside, which is still quite a ways away. Perfect. Okay, thanks for calling, Bill. Okay, talk to you again maybe. Bye-bye. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the call, Bill. Yes, okay. indeed. I have been, I've just had my hands tied behind my back because I just want to grow, start growing stuff, but <laughs> I know I'm going to regret it. I, 
my tomatoes last year, I started them this like a week before now, but they were, you know, 18 inches tall and I potted them three times before I could get them outside because they got bigger and bigger and bigger and I had to keep giving them bigger pots. So we have to wait. The end of May, yeah. Wait if you can. Uh, Certainly it's worth getting some of those dahlias and plants like that going now. Uh, And I will be starting seeds uh, starting next weekend. Okie dokie. Hey, thanks, Dean. Great callers today. Um, Thanks to those. Thanks, Carlos. And listen in next week to find out everything about Chayote. (laughs) See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.